Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. My name is Jared Feinberg. Alongside me is Devin Jackson, and we are your hosts for today's podcast. Devin, how's your weekend been? Uh, it's, it's been pretty good, man. Um, just pretty much worked week, all weekend, uh, finished, finalized, uh, looking at some some uh, draft prospects from, from the Big 12 uh, since they will be having the season, so I was taking a look at some of them. Um, but, yeah, uh, just... Trying to hopefully get prepared for a football season happening this man, uh, this season, man, uh, college football and NFL. So, uh, you know, getting closer to that and uh, closer to, you know, the possibility, you know, that we will be watching football in the fall. Um, so excited about that. Um, and, you know, just trying to continue to take it day by day like, me, you know, me and you have talked about over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. You know, what's crazy is that, like, in just a few weeks, we could have the NFL, college football, NBA basketball, NHL hockey, um, NHL playoffs, um, golf, like, so many sports going on at one time. Like, that's going to be very, very fun to see. And for a lot of sports fans, that's going to be almost like heaven, you know? I mean... Having all these sports going on at the same time is is a dream come true for a lot of people. Like, you'll have one screen of um, NFL games, one screen of college football, one screen of NBA, one screen of the NHL. It's like, it it's really beautiful that we might have a chance of seeing this happen. Of course, that's if college football happens. So, I mean, I'm excited, man. I'm I'm very I'm more optimistic right now as of late that we'll have college football than I have in the past. So we'll see. We'll take it day by day, like you and I have discussed. Um, so yeah, one thing we need to touch up on, Devin, is news that has just come out as of 30 minutes ago or so. The Arizona Cardinals have re-signed Buda Baker to a four-year, $59 million contract extension and will be averaging $14.75 million a year. What are your thoughts on this move by Arizona? Uh, I was a little surprised at first, but when you kind of dig in into what he brings to the table, uh, he's very, very valuable for the, um, for the Arizona Cardinals. He, uh, you know, he, he does. He plays like a lot of roles. Like he's, you know, kind of built like a linebacker, kind of, you know, in the box safety can cover, can do a little bit of everything. Um, so for the Cardinals, I feel like it was a good move for them because uh, I think the the interception, you know, uh, stat is, is sometimes is you know, kind of overvalued in terms of evaluating safeties and corners, um, Especially, you know, even when you're they're coming out of college, like Jeff Okuda only had what two, three interceptions last year, mm-hmm. uh, and still was the first DB taken. Um, so you you really can't pay too much stock in into interceptions because there's been guys that had double digit interceptions in college and haven't panned out in the NFL. So it it, it really determines you know determines in terms of you know teams basically throwing at you and. You know, uh, at at a certain point, you know, if you're a really a, a really uh, good safety or corner, 
they're not going to be thrown to you as often as you would think. So, you know, obviously some safeties are transcendent. Obviously not everyone's going to be Ed Reed or, or anything like that and get a, a ton of interceptions. But, um, you know, Buda Baker has been really valuable to the Cardinals team. Uh, they've, you know, want to build around him and they brought pieces in. So, uh, happy for him. I didn't expect him to be the highest paid safety, but, you know, NFL is different, man. Uh, you know, people that you wouldn't expect to be a highest paid player are the highest paid players. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I expect, fully expect, you know, uh, like Jamal Adams and Derwin James to break the bank when they're, when it's their time for, to get a if contract extension or, uh, sign somewhere else. But, uh, you know, like I said, I'm happy for Buda Baker and the Cardinals seem to have their long-term safety. Being able to extend Buda Baker, I think, was crucial for Arizona because beside he, Patrick Peterson, even though he's getting later into his career, and Chandler Jones, those are your three key cornerstone pieces on defense. Um, and those are your... I wouldn't say Patrick Peterson right now would be a building block because he's near the end of his career, in my opinion. But when you look at Chandler Jones and the consistency he's had and um, the amount of talent he has, as well as Buddha Baker, those are two guys you can build around on the defensive side of the ball. For the Arizona Cardinals, a team that in a, in a couple years – could end up being a NFC contender and they could be a contender as soon as this year. If that offense ends up having an insane year. Um, so I like the move by Arizona to get one of their cornerstone pieces on the back end extended for the long term, And also they wanted to get ahead of uh, Seattle and uh, Los Angeles because they needed because they're going to have to re-sign Adams and Derwin James here in hopefully in the next several months. Um, both of them are very very talented players. Um, Derwin James, I don't know why he fell so far in the draft. He could have easily gone top ten. Jamal Adams getting traded to Seattle, a perfect team for him. Um, he can be the enforcer like Cam. Chancellor was um, when Chancellor was playing. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how um, Seattle and the Los Angeles Chargers um, deal with Derwin James and Jamal Adams in terms of their contracts. So, Devin, um, it's time for some draft prospect breakdowns. I know you have a few on your mind, and I have a few on my mind as well. So I'll let you take the floor and discuss some of your recent studies. Yeah. So, uh, I've been, uh, you know, looking at some big 12 players, uh, and obviously they're going to have a season this year. So, uh, I wanted to go back and, and take like a deeper dive at, at some prospects, you know, obviously got the top prospects, you know, within the big 12, but, uh, I wanted to take kind of a deeper look into some, you know, not the guys that aren't necessarily getting first or second round buzz and, take a look at them. So uh, first I was looking at Texas running back Keontae Ingram, uh, very talented, um, really has nice burst and um, really, really, uh, I want to say uh, kind of built, you know, pretty, I don't, I don't know how to 
word it, but he's, he's a nicely yeah. yeah. He's yeah. very he's, stout. Yeah, stout running back. Um, the thing I was impressed with most is like his contact balance and the ability to really make people miss an open field. His last three games, he had uh, 203 rushing yards on just 22 carries. So he was explosive the last couple games. Uh, you know, only cons- some concerns I have with him, though, you know, he's been battling a couple injuries. He had a shoulder injury, an ankle injury, a uh, knee injury. Uh, when you were running back, you know, the more injuries you have, it's only going to pile up and continue to pile up with a short running back shelf life. Um, but yeah, he, he's super explosive. Someone that, uh, I enjoy taking a viewing at. Um, definitely want to see consistency from him in 2020. Uh, he was still kind of sharing reps, uh, in, in the backfield last year. Uh, I think only had 140 some carries. I uh, didn't really get close to a thousand yards, but, uh, he did miss a couple games with injury. So, uh, I won't hold that against him, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about his, his kind of potential, obviously, with uh, Samuel Cosme. You know, he's blocking for him and, and part of the offensive line for Texas. But I think that, you know, for Texas to have a good season, Keontae Ingram is going to have to um, continue to showcase his uh, ability to, you know, really make people miss an open field. Um, very patient runner. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Le'Veon Bell, kind of his patience at the line of scrimmage. Um, and it has, like I said, a nice burst. He's not gonna, you know, he doesn't have like crazy breakaway speed, but he, he does have pretty good speed for, for a running back. So, uh, I, I was very pleased from watching his tape and, uh, I really like what he brought to the table. Yeah. And you mentioned Samuel Cosme, who, um, I ended up watching the other day, um, Samuel Cosme was a interesting study. He's um, listed on the Draft Network's um, profile of Samuel Cosme as 6'7", 300. I think he's shorter than 6'7". He looks more 6'4", 6'5". 6'7", or 6'5", 300 pounds. He's a raw prospect. Um, he does have some good upside, though, and I really like the potential he has. He's a smart run blocker. Um, his movement skills, functional athleticism, that allows him to hit his landmarks consistently. He also flies really solid footwork and pass sets. Um, I think he needs to add a little bit more to his lower half and get stronger there. Um, there were too many times where he just looked off balance, and I think that was that's a little bit from not having that strength in the lower half. Um, he had problems against speedy pass rushers, especially bull rushes. Um, I think a lot of us have seen the Texas LSU tape. Um, Caleb Von Chason really broke out that game. If you watch that tape, he, he was very consistent. Um, he, he gave Samuel Cosme a run for his money. And he did expose a little bit of what Cosme struggles with, his balance, um, lack of lower body strength, um, his hand placements, his hand placement in terms of his punches and strikes um, and where he's hitting his landmarks there, that's inconsistent. That's something he needs to work on, but he did work on it quite a bit throughout the season at Texas. Um, as I was watching the Texas film I had, he mm. consistently got better throughout the year, even though he still was pretty raw in some areas. Um, I noticed he was – there were times where 
like in the middle of the game, he's like experimenting with his technique. And I'm like, if you, if you're doing that, you should do that in practice and not during the game. Just right. go with it and don't expose yourself in the middle of the game and potentially cause a sack or, um, give up a play in the backfield that don't do that right now. So, and like I mentioned, not very good balance from, um, lack of strength in the lower half, but overall, I see the potential with Cosme. I see the hype around him a little bit. Um, I think if he can improve his strength in the lower half, um, I think his balance would be a little bit better. Um, I would like to see more consistency with his hand placement, and um, I like to see him flash more, um, more really good footwork and pass sets. I think he's inconsistent in that area. So that's something we should probably take a look at throughout the season um, while watching Texas. Um, another player that um, I watched the other day was Rashawn Slater. Um, and I was coming into his game tape thinking, you know, this is a Northwestern player. You know, how how is he going to do in terms of the competition he's playing against. And like you said, he, he fared well against Chase Young. And, mm-hmm. and when I watched that um, Ohio State game, that was the first game I ended up watching. And that, I was like, wow, this is a very, very impressive football player. Um, I did not expect this when watching his tape. Um, he has experience at both right and left tackle. So I think that can really help him at the next level. And yes, he has declared and he was projected the first round and Adam Schefter called him a projected first round pick. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but, um, I know there was a good comp that, um, that someone put out for Rashawn Slater. I saw you there on Twitter. I think Jordan Reed, like I was just looking through his, um, looking to see what he had to say about Slater because I know he uh, had watched him the other day and he mentioned Robert Hunt and I can't ignore that comp. I can't. It, it's mm-hmm. both players are very similar because both of them have good length and good movement skills um, to play tackle, but also they both have the lateral mobility to be good at guard at either side. Um, and and like I said, their length, movement skills, um, lateral mobility, um, very consistent, and very very impressive. Um, there are there's tightness in the hips with him. Um, mm-hmm. He does play tight. Um, I think when, whenever, I think Chase Young, when I was watching him against Rashawn Slater, he exposed a little bit of that tightness. Um, and that's where you saw him in a way kind of lose balance, but he, I think he has enough strength in the lower half, but you know, he wasn't really good with his vertical set when I was watching him. And he, he doesn't have the quickness to really rush, get up the arc and be able to stop defenders on vertical step, on vertical steps. He has, he ends up chasing guys from what I saw. And I think he, he, 
I think he's better fit and more of a man blocking scheme, manpower blocking scheme. Um, and I think he fits very well in any power concept, honestly. Um, and one thing that I wrote down was he's a tone setting football player. He's physical. He's urgent. He wants to knock your head off. That's the type of player he is. And I'll, I'll just say this. For all of the offensive tackles that I watched Chase Young destroy um, last year when watching his tape, Rashawn Slater probably had the best performance of any offensive tackle going up against Chase Young. Like, that was a very impressive performance. Watching all the other tape from um, Slater's games, um, basically saw what I saw um, when playing against Ohio State. Um Power, good functional strength, good powerful hands, um, tone setting, um, offensive lineman. Um, you know, if he was drafted as a guard, I wouldn't have a problem, problem with it. If you, if he was drafted as a tackle at either left or right tackle, I wouldn't have a problem with it. This is a very interesting football player. I, he will probably end up being in my top five offense, offensive tackles. And um, he's definitely one of my favorites for um, this draft class. And he, I think he might be my first crush for um, this 2021 draft class. And like I said on the previous podcast, like I'm still, I was still looking for that draft crush, that pros, that prospect that I really just adore and love his game. Rashawn Slater, he can be that guy. I think he just, um, the tightness in his hips, that's going to be a concern, but, you know, we're not going to be able to see him play this year, which sucks, which sucks, ah, which sucks. Um, but, you know, his 2019 tape, I think that he's a top 100 prospect easily. I think he could be a top 50 prospect, um, assuming he, um, is able to show off some of his talent at pro days and at the combine. So Rashawn Slater, very impressive football player. Um, I'm definitely going to be higher on him than most. So Devin, let's dive into some of our teams, uh, the Saints, the Panthers. Um, training camp is going on. It's in full swing. Um, and we're um, just a few weeks away from – the NFL kickoff game, Kansas City, Houston Texans. So I know you've been keeping up with Saints training camp. Um, what what are the things you have seen overall from camp? What have you heard things about from like Cesar Ruiz and um, Adam Troutman, um, Zach Bond? What have you heard from those guys from the rookies? What have you heard about Jameis, Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill? What have you heard about Emmanuel Sanders on the team? What, what about the defense? Um, I saw Nigel Bradham end up getting released after they just signed him. So um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, first starting kind of with Nigel Bradham, uh, you know, I think that this, the reason the Saints uh, ended up cutting him is because they saw a lot with Zach Bond and uh, their other linebacker, Caden Ellis. I think they saw, you know, that they – we're going to be able to immediately contribute and, uh, you know, kind of be difference makers and, and, you know, especially for Zach Bond in year one. 
So I've heard all good things from Zach Bond. I heard that he's really progressing well and really um, understanding the defense and uh, making some really athletic plays. So that's a good sign for the Saints. I haven't heard too much about Adam Troutman. Uh, that that name has kind of been kind of quiet. You know, he's made a few catches here and there, but I don't think, you know, for tight ends, it's so much harder for them to make an immediate impact uh, compared to other, you know, positions because, you know, typically by year three, year four, that's when you really start to see tight ends kind of emerge. So he's kind of right now probably just trying to, you know, find his way. I mean, you know, he's sitting behind Jared Cook right now, and we also got Josh Hill on the roster that more of a blocking tight end, but he still will be a factor in, in, at some point or another. Um, and plus you had in Taysom Hill playing tight end as well. So uh, in, in terms of quarterbacks, um, James Winston, from what I've heard, has looked really good. You know, he's made some really, really nice passes and is making some progression. Um, you know, still, from what I'm hearing, still making mistakes, you know, still – you know, throwing interceptions here and there, but he's re- really making some really nice passes and, and really um, he's gathering kind of a, a connection with Emmanuel Sanders and uh, some of the some of the uh, Saints receivers. Now, in terms of uh, Cesar Ruiz, they've been working at him, working him at center and guard, like switching him and Eric McCoy off. Uh, so it looks like Cesar Ruiz will more than likely be a day one starter. At what position, we don't know yet. I anticipate he'll probably be at one of the guard spots um, just because of how well Eric McCoy played last year. Um, but everybody's looking pretty good, man. Uh, defensively, you know, uh, it's it's no longer uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. It's C.D. Deuce. I don't know why he wanted to change his name to that. But uh, he's been looking good so far in camp. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has been battling with Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, so hopefully Marshawn has a better start to the season. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders fitting in nicely for the Saints offense, so that's a good sign. Uh, Kamara looking, uh, you know, healthy again. You know, he struggled with injuries last season. So uh, overall, I mean, the Saints sound like they're doing as good, you know, as they can uh, normally, as they would uh, every training camp. Really haven't dealt with too many injuries, thankfully. Uh, and then one last addition that the Saints made at receiver, uh, Benny Fowler, um, someone that uh, they, it was kind of a unique way that they brought him in. You know, Emmanuel Sanders brought him to a workout with Drew Brees that he had, and pretty much Drew Brees advocated for uh, Fowler to be signed by the Saints. So now he's shining in training camp and looks like he's going to make the final roster. So, you know, if if Drew Brees ever, like, if Brees is clamoring for a player to be on his team, you know he's probably going to make the team. Fowler, um, from highlights I've seen and, like, just the games I've watched, like, he's flashed. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's um, a consistent contributor for the Saints this year. Um, So on to Panthers camp for my side. Um. Everything going on is just like the players learning uh, the new defense and the new offense, Matt Rule, um, just the staff and the players coming together and just really learning from one another. Um, the offense is looking good. Um, I haven't heard any bad things from the offensive line, which has been a pleasant surprise. But, again, we'd probably hear some if, – if we had – 
like a, any normal training camp in any other year. Like we'd probably hear more stuff, but lack of um, the media not really being able to really tweet about what they what they're observing live. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of been a struggle um, to understand like what's really going on. Um, but like the post practice observations, you know, um, something that I I noted was um, like. There was a press conference the other day with Shaq Thompson, um, and one thing that really caught my my attention is how Thompson is now one of the few veterans in a young Carolina defensive locker room. Shaq is one of the surviving members on this team from the 2015 Panthers Super Bowl team. Mm -hmm. He's now in his fifth year, and he's essentially like the top dog of – the second level of the Panthers defense um, in the press conference the other day, he said um, like his starting job, it's not set in stone, but when you think about it, Matt rule, I think if I remember correctly, he noted that no one's job on this team is guaranteed. Not even Christian McCaffrey's not even Teddy Bridgewater. Like everyone is being evaluated properly and everyone is going to compete for a starting job. But and in hindsight, Thompson's going to end up being the starter. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, I'm expecting a big year um, entering his fifth year. I'm expecting a big year five now that he's the leader of the defense. And now, like, okay, now it's my turn to carry the torch that Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley, um carried. Um, but... When you see people like, hey, um, you got to go in here and take over Keekley's role or Thomas Davis's role. Let's be specific about this. Keekley and Davis provided many different roles. Uh-huh. Shaq Thompson provided a different role. When all three were on the field together in 2018, that was the last time they were on the field, all three of them together. Um, they all play different roles and now Shaq Thompson, he's going, he's basically going to be just himself. You know, he's just going to be Shaq Thompson. He's going to play like Shaq Thompson. He's just mm-hmm. an original player, like just being himself on defense. Thompson can play many different roles. Like I saw him, there were plenty of times where he was playing nickel because of his athleticism, um, and his versatility and, that's why Caroline drafted him back in 2015 was because of that. And having that athleticism and now growing into the player he is set to become, which is probably probably the defensive team captain, um, along with Trey Boston and K1 Short, you know, this is this is Thompson's year to shine and show off, hey, even though our defense will probably be bad this year. I'm still going to show off what I can do and what I can do for this team. I just got signed a big extension to be this team's future at linebacker at the second level. I'm basically the enforcer on this team. I'm basically taking over Keekley's role as a leader on the defense, not someone that's very vocal, but when you need to speak up, he'll speak up and Thompson's going to be that guy. Um, I'm excited to see what Thompson does on the field this year. Um, very, 
very optimistic he could end up with a Pro Bowl potentially. If a player, if any player from the Panthers defense gets a Pro Bowl invite or gets nominated for All Pro or whatnot, like that's impressive, especially with how bad the secondary is going to be this year and how bad Carolina is going to be this year overall. Um, something else I was noticing um, throughout Panthers camp so far is how Christian McCaffrey is taking over his role with Joe Brady's offense. And that means he's playing more slot receiver, playing more outside on the boundary. Um, I've seen plenty of videos of him just embarrassing opposing linebackers, embarrassing opposing corners and safeties. Like, I am convinced that if Christian McCaffrey entered the 2017 NFL draft strictly as a wide receiver. If he was going to go into the NFL playing as a wide receiver, his ball skills, his athleticism, his short area quick quickness, and his route running ability alone would have made him a first-round draft pick, in my opinion. The amount of talent he has is unbelievable. The amount of versatility he has is rare. Like, this is a dude, like, he could legitimately have another 1,000-1,000 season. Like he he's that good, and that's how well or that's how he'll be used in Joe Brady's offense. He's going to basically be um, Brady's Clyde Edwards Elaire, and we all saw how Edwards Elaire did in Joe Brady's offense last year. Um, and that's a comment I really hated that I didn't give Edwards Elaire was Christian McCaffrey. I should because both players now looking back at their films. Eerily similar, eerily similar. Um, you know, so now seeing that Christian McCaffrey is going to be lining up out wide and in slot, like that just gives a defense so many more problems to deal with. You got to deal with Bridgewater. You got to deal with DJ Moore's um, ability after the catch. Got to deal with Robbie Anderson's right downfield. You got to deal with um, Curtis Samuel and his route running ability plus his elite speed. You know, that's a lot to deal with and you know being a Panthers fan like wishing Cam Newton was still on this team like just imagining defenses having to prepare for Cam Newton and then the rest of this offense and Joe Brady's scheme is just mind-boggling and but Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater I know he's going to be good for this football team not like incredibly awesome. He's going to lead this team to the playoffs, Super Bowl, what have you. He's going to do his job. He's going to do it right. And I've been very impressed with how he's been able to really mesh with his receivers because they didn't really have a lot of time to mesh because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So being able to hear like him and DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Ian Thomas, McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, they're all really just coming together and um, and just mashing very well together. I really wish we had a preseason this year because I really would have loved to see how they would do um, together for, like, I think this week would have been week two of the preseason or week three. Um, I, I can't remember. I've lost track, but um, – you know, I really would have enjoyed seeing them on the field for that game three uh, dress rehearsal game. 
So um, it's good to hear Teddy Bridgewater really meshing together with his receivers, his running backs, his tight ends. Um, just I'm just hoping the offensive line can at least give him some time in the pocket instead of being trash as it's always been, honestly. Um, but there, there are some players to be optimistic about on the offensive line. But again, the interior portion of the offensive line, not a big fan of. Um, another thing I've been hearing has been Derek Brown really showing off his talent. And one word that has in, in my eyes that I have seen being used a lot is unblockable. Like he's becoming one of the better players on this defense. If he wasn't already, mm-hmm. um, Derek Brown, I think will have a very big impact for this Panther defense. And come week one against Oakland, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how well he does against that offensive line because Raiders have a pretty good offensive line. You look across the board, Colton Miller, um, Richie Icognito, um, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Trent Brown. Like you got all those guys up front. So it's going to be interesting to see how he'll do up front against that offensive line in a few weeks. We'll have to wait and see, but so far throughout camp, he's been one of the more impressive players um, so far. Another player that's um, getting praised is Stephen Weatherly. Um, he was the he was Minnesota's rotational defensive end, um, and a lot of people I've seen on Twitter have been praising him for a long time. And this is Weatherly's opportunity to showcase his talent now that he's in the Panthers' rotation. Um, he could end up being the starter. Um, so hopefully we get to see Stephen Weatherly break out and become a solid defensive end for the Panthers. If not, he'll be a good rotation with um, Marquise Haynes, Eater um, Gross Matos, and uh, incumbent starter uh, Brian Burns. So there's there's stuff to like with the Panthers football team. Um, but there are valid concerns. Um, they've been dealing with injuries. Um, Omar Bale is a fan favorite. Um, and everyone like fans, coaches, players, they like him a lot. They think he can make the roster, but he's been hurt lately. So his chances of making the roster are going down by the day as mm-hmm. long as he's still on the sideline. Um, they've been dealing with injuries at receiver as well in terms of depth. So that's going, that will be a concern moving forward, and hopefully those guys can get healthy. Um, but overall, hearing some good things about the Panthers, um, especially with their young talent and how much they have grown um, over the last month or so. One thing we we need to touch on before we leave is Grant Delpit's season-ending injury. Um, he suffered yesterday. He was carted off the field. Um, there was actually a video of him, or well, he was it was caught live um, on the Browns live stream of practice, and you can just see him just dropping back. He catches the ball, comes back down, and he just immediately just flattens on the ground. And he, it's like everyone knew like something was not right and something was very very wrong with Grant Delbit. Um, MRI showed he did. Tear his Achilles. He is out for the year. Um, it sucks to not being able to see Grant Delpit on the field. So 
with Delpit's loss, Cleveland doesn't have a true free safety on the back end. They don't have that guy that can rub around deep um, in the secondary. So with so Devin with Delpit out. What do you expect the Browns to do in terms of free agency? Do they go after Earl Thomas, who the, who the Ravens just released? Um, do they go after Tony Jefferson, who's been out for the last year and he was um, he's now on the market? Or do they try and call Eric Berry, who hasn't played in over a year? Um, what do you think the Browns could do here? Um, I think they go after either Earl Thomas or Logan Ryan. Uh, I think one of those two guys uh, – deserve to uh i don't know about i won't i won't say deserve but they they should be on the nfl rosters along with tony jefferson as well um but i think logan ryan may be the better fit for them uh just kind of personality wise and just you know bringing them in and you know having someone with experience having someone that's play on the back end and uh to pair with carl joseph because i mean at this point you really got to get somebody in very, very soon. Uh, we're only what two, about two, two and a half weeks away from from games. Um, so it's uh, it's really going to be, you know, down to the wire to see what teams are going to do. Um, and that's a big loss for the Browns. They really had a really rough day yesterday, and really over the last week or so, you know, Chubb, Nick Chubb went down with an injury. Uh, Grady Williams was uh, taken out of like their scrimmage or whatever they were doing yesterday. Then you had the Grand Delta injury. So injuries haven't been kind to NFL players this year, and that can be attributed to them not being able to having, uh, you yep. know, mini camp and, and all those things. So that sucks, you know, that, yeah, I mean, teams are just going to deal with injury. That just the, That's just the way it is, that's, you know, every year. Deal with injuries. I mean, yeah, but this year is, it might be even, you know, hiding just on the little time they've had to prepare and get their bodies ready you know, and, and really have that physical contact. So uh, it's unfortunate for Del Pitt. You know, I really wanted him to prove, you know, that he should have been picked higher. Uh, obviously, we know why he fell, but I felt like this was going to be a year like he, you know, showed people that he, he would deserve to be a first-round pick. Um, but, you know, we just have to look for him in 2021. Uh, you know, him along with uh, a few Broncos players as well got injured. Uh, a guy that I like for the Broncos, Justin Sternad, uh, linebacker. He went down, um, you know, had a wrist surgery. He's going to have wrist surgeries out for the season. So we're seeing a couple rookies not getting a chance to showcase their skills uh, right off the bat. But like you said, it's part of the game. It's funny. It's like no preseason games and people are like, oh, well, this might actually benefit in the long run. Like we might like. Years down the road, we may not have preseason games anymore, you know, because the amount of injuries we see from preseason games. But now we're seeing all these injuries now without preseason, and it's like, okay, so maybe do we have preseason? It's it's going to be a discussion that will be talked about for the next several years. Um, And, yeah, I think it – I think because of the lack of not being able to work out as much because of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, players aren't as in shape. They're not as conditioned as um, some people think they were. So, you know, again, tough loss for the Browns. 
losing Grant Delbit for the year, not being able to see him until 2021. Um, and Delbit's injury kind of reminds me of Jonah Williams' injury from last year. He had a shoulder injury and missed all of last season. Now, coming into this year, we're hearing some good praise about Jonah Williams and how he's improved and how he's probably going to end up being the Bengals' um, franchise left tackle because he has that talent. It's just a matter of putting that talent and that potential on the field against um, the NFL's elite pass rushers, especially in the AFC North where you got T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett um, and – Kalias Campo, and it's just, um, you know, it sucks to see Delpit down, not being able to see him. I hope the Browns quickly find a fill-in for um, for the year at least. Um, and like you said, they can bring in Logan Logan Ryan. Like that's a nice one-year prove-it deal for him to maybe even go with a three safety look next year with Grant Delpit back. So we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and and once again, Del- Grant Delpit's injury sucks. Talented football player. Um, we wish him the best recovery, um, and we hope to see him on the field um, next year. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys later. Peace out.